Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. It's your word, you would help us. Truly is the entrance of your word that brings light and life, and I pray that the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ will shine bright in here today. Lord, I pray through the revelation of your word that your people would see you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly. Now, Lord, let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in our sight. Lord, you're my strength and redeemer, and in every glad heart, happy heart, say amen. Go ahead and give God one more round of applause as you take your seat. Or you at home, as you take your couch, get your coffee, put your feet up in your PJs, and as you focus in on the Word of the Lord, some of them in the sanctuary right now are jealous because they wish they could be you sipping a latte and opening a Bible. God bless you. Online, I think we're jealous of you right now, but we're all in it together. Even though I don't drink coffee, I just, I want, I'll be sipping some cocoa for the cocoa drinkers. Hallelujah. Um, you know, as I uh, think about society right now, there's a lot of ambiguity about how we uh, should be feeling about the season. Because um, everywhere you turn, the offer is to meditate on how bad the world is and how tough things are getting and how we're being robbed of even things like holidays. Thanksgiving, uh, which usually engenders a warm and grateful heart, um, has produced an anticipation of a level of negativity. And it's like thinking about Christmas and getting coal in your stocking because all of the things that normally make your day, your holiday bright, the offering, leaves it up in the air. And it, it's, 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 it's as if it just comes in multiples. You know, uh, several um, years ago, we had the opportunity of spending the uh, Thanksgiving once on a beach. And, and beaches are wonderful for those who understand the ocean. And for those like myself who don't understand the ocean, beaches can be a terrible thing, a terrible place, because they have waves. And, um, and typically what they don't teach you when you grow up where I grew up, they don't teach you the dangers of waves. You just think they're pretty blue things and you see all of the people who don't look like you running in there and you think you can. So I ran my little self in there and, and it's just fun because you know the wave hits you but you don't know it can suck you back. And all of a sudden, you can't find no place to put your feet. And now your head is slightly above water or maybe it's underwater. You, you can't even tell the difference. And you do that thing you don't want to do in salt water. You swallow it. And it, it makes you sick instantly and it burns. And and just when you think, I shall recover, you know what happens? Another wave. Another wave. It's always waiting. Another wave. And so that 
makes me think about this moment in life where wave after wave after wave of trouble and calamity have come over us. And the question is, have you ever felt, do you feel now wave after wave that won't give you a chance to catch your breath? Anybody want to just catch your breath? It's like as if you can catch your breath and oxygenate your, yourself, you, you feel like you can just go a little longer. But it doesn't seem like that offering is there. And we look at continuing in our fourth message in our series, um, uh, we can see that our subject today is having some of the same trouble catching his breath. And perhaps the prescription for his own life can be the prescription that we apply to our lives. And and may I say it is the prescription and it's going to lead you to some questions. Can we mirror his life and his results? Let's go to 2 Samuel 22. And I'll have a treat toward the end of the service because when you read 2 Samuel 22, verse 1, it says, David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hands of all of his enemies that he had that, uh, from the hand of Saul. And he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my, uh, and, and my refuge in whom I take refuge, my shield, my horn, my salvation, my stronghold, my refuge, my savior, from violent people who save me. So you, you can see that, that, that David um, has turned his lemons into lemonade. He's turned his pain into praise. He's, he's decided that he would rather sing than sulk. Uh, he's gotten into a place where some would say this is the end of his life when he's writing this. Some would say he's halfway through. But you can see something about the character of David that says wherever calamity is in my life, I'm going to answer it with a praise. I, I noticed that in the first verses that we read, David really personalizes who God is to him. He doesn't say there is a God, uh, there is a Savior, there is a rock, there is uh, a one you can call to who's higher and higher. He says he's my rock and he's my Savior and he's my safeguard and he's my refuge. Have you personalized your relationship with God and you know that it is personal when you praise When's the last time you had a personal prayer praise service? The one where you locked yourself in your prayer closet or in your bathroom and, you, and when the calamities of life were coming to preach to you, you start preaching back to them the goodness of the Lord. You start saying, well, hold on, wait a minute. I've got a rock and he keeps me safe and, and he guards me and, and he's mine. He's not just somebody way out in the cosmos who created something. He's intimately acquainted with me and what I'm going through. I will praise him. I love that David said, 
This is, a song, this is a song that I wrote when God delivered me from all of my enemies. But how many know that he was writing the verses all along? This is when he assembled it and put it together. See, praise is not something you do as a conclusionary measure. Praise is something that you do when you're up. And praise is something that you do when you're down. You are created to praise. Even the mountains clap their hands. The thunder and the lightning. Everything in earth. Everything that has breath praises the Lord. I believe that we were created to worship him and to praise him. But David is not letting his body forget his responsibility. Dare I say his opportunity to praise God. Praise ye the Lord. He says, my God. So he's not talking about his experiences of pain independent of his God who is personal. To my God, when you say something that's significant is God, you're saying this is the greatest force, the greatest throne, the greatest king, the greatest kingdom on earth. You cannot say this uh, word God flippantly because you must believe that God is able to do something like govern your life very well. And when he praises him, he's saying that you're my God, you're my governor, you're my highest authority, you're, you're, you're my rock, you're, 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 you're the bulwark and you're the foundation from which I stand on. I'm not standing on the things that are temporal. I'm not standing on the things that are porous. I'm not standing on the things that are weak. I'm not standing on the things that, that promise and boast of strength that they don't have to give. I'm standing on the rock. The Bible says there's no other foundation can a man lay than has been laid, and that's Jesus Christ. And the Bible says he is the rock, and he is the rock that followed them. He is the rock. Where is the rock in your life, and how personally is he? Have you locked yourself in your prayer closet, like I said, in a while and found yourself praising? Have you got to the point where you were going to be late to work because you were in your car locked in praising God because he was your God? Or are you thinking about all of the things that your boss was going to do to torment you that day or all the things your savior, savior was going to do to lift you that day? So often we are offered anxiety and pain. David is showing us what to do in the midst of all this. It's very easy to bring complaints. It's very easy to look at the world and say you don't like it. David could have looked at his circumstances of being rejected in his own home. I mean, that's tough. As we think about Thanksgiving and going back home or the lack of ability to go back home, doing the Zoom with your family or whatever, but somehow bringing back familial moments brings back the pain of being in your old room, being under uh, the thumb of something or someone or some level of abuse. And, and I don't know if you've ever been abused. I've had abuse in my life. It's hard for people who have been abused to articulate to you in the sudden anxiety that can come on them when just touching things from the past. It's, it's hard and it comes quick. All of a sudden your emotions rushing. The things you suppressed, the post-traumatic stress that you were able to avoid, it triggers the, 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 the pain or the abuse or the, or, or the things that shouldn't happen. And it is easier to say, I'm going to avoid those things rather than get in there and praise God. See, the praise of God brings you the strength that you can stand and try and time. See, David knew what it was like to have family problems. He knew what it was like to be in peril and, and God to 
to help him. This is not someone talking. When he said he delivered me from all my enemies, he delivered him from a bear. He delivered him from a lion. He delivered him from a giant. He delivered him from a king. Can you imagine if the king didn't like you? If the president of the United States or, or the, the, the king, head of a nation had it in for you with all of the resources they have to get you, you'd be overwhelmed. You'd be paranoid. You know, sometimes when we get paranoid and we get paralyzed, instead of praying, we lean in to other people. I was, I was saying in the other service how sometimes I ask my wife, well, what would you do about this? What would you do about that? And we'll talk about it for a while. And she, and she said, you know, maybe you need to pray about it. And I'm thinking, why didn't I start there? If she wasn't going to advise me and just tell me to pray. No, the point is, is that you and I have an opportunity to praise. And my question is, what will you do when the waves of life keep crashing in on you, wave after wave taking you down. What will you do? Will you praise God or will you sit silent? You know, a lot of people suffer in silence, suffer in silence. You're around them today. You're in this church. You're sitting at home suffering in silence because you don't think anybody else wants to hear your problems. But David knew there was one who wanted to hear his problems. His name was God. And he says, my God, And I love how verse 4 says, he picks it back up in verse 4. He said, I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from all my enemies. There's something you and I need to do is, David shows you an example. I I, I called to the Lord. He's reflecting on the past, what he did, and he saved me from all my enemies. One of the difficult things for us to do when the enemy is tempting us to actually take on the narrative of the broken world, we actually forget what God has already done. What I mean is, how many times have you already called him? How many times have he helped you through things simple like school grades or helped you through a marital situation? How many times have you, first of all, married folks, you know, you thought this was the end and, and everything, and you call on God, and then it's not the end all of a sudden. And you're happy. How many times as a single person that you got no one to turn to to help you with your bills, and you know you don't know what to do, and you called on the Lord, and he actually helped you. You called. David said, I called. You answered me and delivered me. When the waves come crashing in on you, I have a question. Will you call? Will you praise? That I called. I cried out. And, and, he, and here, here's the condition of the world that he was crying out in. Verse 5 says it. He said, the waves of death, they swirled around me, and the torrent de- destroyed and overwhelmed me. In other words, it, this is not, he, he is saying the things that were happening in my life were not very simple. They were overwhelming because remember I told you, I've had my life saved about three times from water. That means, you know, I was about to die three times, for sure, that, that, I, that I'm able to talk about. And when, you, when, you, when you're in that perilous situation and the wave is hitting you and you can't think and you can't breathe, you begin to say some stuff to yourself, and it's quick. It's, you know how people say your life's flashing before your eyes? You start saying, saying, well, okay, Lord, take care of my mama. You know, watch over my kids. You know, this is it. I'm just coming home. You, you, we can, if you're in the peril long enough, you'll give up the ghost. 
Am I talking to anybody? You will give up the ghost. I'm not saying you're suicidal. I'm just saying that you lose hope for life. He's saying there are circumstances in wave after COVID's a wave. And you think about it because it it hit us like this. It's kind of like COVID comes, but you don't know how bad it is yet. And then they they shut down school. They shut down church. Then it gets another way. They shut your job down. Then they shut down the stimulus program. Then the hospital was shut down. Another wave. We don't know when we'll give it another wave. Oh, wrong information wave. Don't wear a mask. Right information wave. Wear a mask. What am I? I don't know what to do. It's wave after wave. And then in the middle of all that, everybody's going ethnically crazy. People act like, don't know how to live together anymore. Another wave. Then it comes a political wave. Now it's the wave of we might have a solution, but we may not give it to you right away. <laughs> it's like, God, I'm, I'm dying. You know, if you, if you, we, everybody's scared. If you got something, help us. It's a wave. David shows us what you do in a way you call on the Lord or you cry out to the Lord. Or he says in verse 6, the course of the grave coil around me like uh, snares that they confront me. In other words, he says the snare is a hunter. The hunter's got you in a net. He's got you on the, on the foot. He, he traps you. If the waves don't get you, there's a hole. There's a trap waiting on you. It's unfair. You're sniping me from a distance. You're getting me from up close. David is describing a life that is overwhelmed with problems and pain. I can't believe he's praised the Lord in the midst of that. You know, you go through enough pain, you'll forget who Jesus is. Because that pain is so debilitating. It takes your mind, it takes your breath to the point you can't think. You just, you don't even say, you even saying help. Just, you know, just get all jittery. He's showing us how his personal relationship was able to rescue him. Remember, he says, I love God and he's my rock. He's my salvation. In other words, he's the one I can trust to when I've got to work it out. I love verse seven because it makes it plain. If you've missed the narrative at any point, he makes it plain in verse seven. He says, in my distress... I called to the Lord. I called out to my God. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. There's one thing to actually call to him. There's another thing to call out in a cry. People who have children understand, you know, your, your, your baby can call to you. You're like, ah, you know, you know just, it's certain little cool, certain little things. But then there's a cry. This says, stop what you're doing because my life is ending. Have you ever cried out to God? You see, the Israelites at some point experienced bondage in Goshen to the degree that it made them cry out. The chains and the whipping and the slavery was to the point where they had to cry out because it was a wave that was too big. What would you do? Will you call? Will you cry? Will you praise? 
He said, and then when they were finally freed, you would think that it is over, but they, they have Pharaoh pursuing them and, and, they, and they cried out and God opens up the Red Sea and, and, and he delivers them from their enemies because they cried out. And then, and then, and then, Mo, then they turned on Moses and Moses said, man, I was helping the people. And then, then Moses cried out and he had to deliver them from the people he just delivered from Pharaoh. But we see this unique opportunity that when you call or cry out to God, he answers you. He always answers you. And I know that there's a motivation from the enemy that tells you it is a worthless, futile exercise to pray, to praise, to cry, to call out to God because he perhaps won't hear you. But I am here to remind you, sitting in your home or sitting here in the sanctuary, that he hears the humblest cry. He hears the smallest voice. He can hear you when you're loud. He can hear you when you can barely whisper. He can hear you when you're underwater and you're thinking because of waves come, you can't even get out. He knows exactly where you are. And David's trying to say, my life was in a wreck. It was destroyed. And I was able to call on God in those type of conditions. What will you do when the waves come? I love how verse eight gives us some little insight here. It says, and he said, the earth trembled and quaked. The foundations of heaven shook. They trembled because he was angry. In other words, this is God's observing what's going on in David's life. And his disposition about it is anger. Smoke rose from his nostrils. He's hot. Fire came from his mouth. He ain't playing. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens. And what does that say he did? Say it again. Say it at home. He came down. I cried, but he came. See, when the waves come, you can cry, but your cry has to result in him coming. There is never a time, you hear me, there's never a time you're going to cry out and call to God and he's not going to come. Never. He's not that type of God. He's not that type of father. When you call, he comes. And I'm glad about it. Helps you deal with the waves. Peter, thank you, Holy Ghost, was sinking because he stepped out on the water. And he said, help, Lord. And the Lord was right there to pull him up out of the water and pull him all the way into the boat. Don't be paralyzed with fear. You don't know what to do. Whatever you do, do it in faith, knowing he's your God. He's your rock. He's your salvation. And what will you do when the waves come? Praise him. What will you do when the waves come? Call on him. What will you do when the waves come? Wait on him to show up because he's coming. Love, he says, and the clouds were under his feet. When he came, he was mounted on cherubim and flew. He soared with the wings of the wind and he made darkness his canopy around him. The dark rain clouds and the sky out of the brightness of his presence, bolts of lightning blazed forth. The, the Lord thundered from heaven and the voice of the Almighty sounded. He shot his arrows and he scattered the enemies with bolts of lightning and routed them. The valleys and the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth lay bare uh, at his rebuke and the blast of his breath uh, from his nostrils. In other words, guess what? The whole of creation... 
trembled at his presence. He can ride the wind. He can control the elements. Everything he created is subject to him. When he shows up, it's not a casual situation. See, in the, that's why it says, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy and his right hand pleasures of more. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Your enemy can be there. Your trouble can be there. But when God shows up, it don't mean nothing. It don't mean nothing. So I don't know exactly your individual personal situation, but maybe right now, even in this message, you need to apply. You need to apply God to this equation. The very present God. I love how David said it in uh, 1 Samuel 10 and 7. He said, you know what? The Lord showed up and thundered. He said, and the enemies began to run and they killed each other. Stop thinking that you're powerless. You're not. Verse 17 gives us another clue. He reached down from from on high and took hold of me and drew me out of deep waters. He touched me. He touched me. Yes, I might have been praising him. I might have been calling on him. You know what? He might have come. But you know, you can see somebody from a distance, but them being distant don't help you. You just aware helps on the way. There's many a person who has been in the room with an adult that they wish they could solve, and they see the adult, but that doesn't mean that they're interacting with the problem. That means they can see all of the solutions, but they may not have access to them. But I'm telling you that God, didn't, when he comes, he's going to actually touch you. The Bible says that, we, you know, how, do you, how, how does God touch us? Let, well, let's just really break it down to something very simplistic and say one of the easiest ways to enjoy the touch of God is through the word of God. Hebrews 4 and 12 tells us the word of God is quick or living and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing even to piercing asunder of soul and spirit and joint and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. The Word of God is able to touch your essence, your will, your emotions, your physical man and is able to help you distinguish between what he touches you with his word. One of the most valuable assets saints have is the word of the living God. It's the word of the living God. He uses it. He touches you. I'm so glad about the character of, of Jesus. The character of Jesus is that remember when those lepers came to him that wanted to be healed? He didn't say, y'all, yeah, y'all, that's good. But back up now because, you know, you won't make me unclean if I touch you. He didn't treat them like untouchables. He said, come on, bring your COVID to me. Bring your leprosy to me. Because he was, he was the embodiment of greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. He, he said, I can touch you and I'm not unclean. Because I'm going to make you clean. I'm going to change your very nature. See, when God touches you, your circumstances instantaneously change. And that's why you praise him. They change. What do you do when the waves come? You praise him. You call on him. And when he comes, you know he's going to touch you. He's going to touch you. I love it how the Bible says in, in John 10, he says, 
Behold, I give unto you eternal life, neither shall you perish, neither shall any man pluck you from my hand. My Father is greater than all, and no man can pluck him from his hand. So you see these attributes of God who's got you covered on every angle. You're in his hand. I know that the enemy tells you because he's invisible, he can't touch you, but I'm telling you that is a lie. Man is a spirit. God is a spirit. He's a life-giving spirit. The words I speak, he says in John 63, our spirit and life, he touches you with his life. When he gives you his word, he touches you. Verse 21 says, uh, and the Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanliness of my hand, and he has rewarded me, for I have kept the ways of the Lord. For I have kept the ways of the Lord, and I am not guilty of turning from them. David is showing the foundation from which he stood. He is showing that that when perilous times come, he has a behavior pattern that started a long time ago that I will not just be an observer of the word, I will be a doer of the word. Are you a doer of the word or only a hearer of the word? Is the trouble that you have in your life that which you are inviting or, or is, the, is the trouble in your life uh, 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 an attack of the enemy that, that, that it could be pushed back easily with one of the promises of God? He did not depart from the statutes. He started thinking God's way is the right way. See, he was, under, he was under attack, but he didn't change his character. Where unto shall a young man cleanse his way? But by taking heed to the word of God. You know, if, you're pursuing, if the enemy is pursuing me, remember, because maybe God is taking care of the waves and maybe he's taking care of the traps, but Saul is still pursuing him. He's still pursuing him. You know, I'm, I'm from the school where my mama told me, sorry, mom, I know you're watching, but, you, you know, you know we, we worked through this already. My mama told me, some of y'all tell y'all kids this now, if somebody hits you, they can say a lot of stuff. Let them say the stuff. But if somebody hits you, well, you got my permission. You hit them back. And baby, if somebody had a problem with that, I, then, then they got a problem with me. You see, we kind of were raised where if you're reviled, you, you have the permission to revile again. If you're cursed, you can curse. No, just because somebody cussed you out don't mean that, no, I can cuss too. I'm going to cuss you back. You cheated, I'm going to cheat. You hit, I'm going to hit. You see, David had transcended that type of thinking because he was going to stay with the statutes of the Lord. And, and, and it really lays it out uh, as you go down a few, few more verses. He's, verse 26 says, to the faithful, I show myself faithful. He understood. And I want to be faithful to God's word because he's going to be faithful to me. To the blameless, they show you, you show yourself blameless. So when I, I'm not going to get in that, that name game, that, that back and forth, that finger. He said, to the pure, you show yourself pure. To, to, the, to the divisive, you're shrewd. You save the humble. But your eyes see, uh, uh, your eyes are on the haughty to bring them low. You see, David, you got to get this picture. This is a man who was anointed to be king. 
This is a man who did all of the right things and got all of the wrong results. This is a man who lost his home, lost his family, lost his standing, and has become a fugitive and is living in caves. And all of a sudden, the very man of power that's pursuing him after David has seen miracle after miracle of God delivering him from the hands of the enemy, but he's still being pursued. He's still got to deal with stuff. All of a sudden, he has this miracle position where Saul is sleeping in a cave. That's the same cave that David's in. And David, David can kill him. And he's his servant is saying, let's kill him. And David cuts off a little piece of Saul's clothes. And when Saul wakes up, he stands at a distance and says, you know, I could have killed you. I could have killed you. But even there, David is pr- proving that he kept God's way. But he said, but I remember the scripture that says, touch not my anointed, do my prophet no harm. Even the fact that I cut off your clothes, I feel a little shame about that. That's bothering me. I need to repent about that. So here's the man that's being pursued, who's still saying, I'm going to be lawful in my approaches to get vindication. If you try to get vindication based on your, you know, I'm going to sue. No, you need to be led of God for any of that type of stuff. David had the power to take the life of another person, and all of us would have said he was justified. But he'd rather trust God and trust his way. So one of the things that we see about a praiser is that they keep the way of the Lord. And you know what happens? Verse 29, you, Lord are my lamp, and you turn my darkness into light. See, the Lord is starting to keep him. You keep his way, the Lord will keep you. He said, with you help, I can advance. I can advance against a troop. The number of people that were coming against David were many. David was just a little him and a few people. And my God, I can scale a wall. Ask for, for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He, look, he's still saying, Lord, you, uh, you, you keeping me. He is my shield. All who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. Remember the scripture says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So not only do you keep his way and then he keeps you, he'll teach you from this. Look at verse 34. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and causes me to stand. He teaches you how to win. Now, how he going to, you know, you know, this is divine. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He's talking about the deer, the coney that stand up on these rocks, this angle that high. He said, it doesn't matter. When I'm standing with God, I can scale. I can, I can overcome a troop. I can scale a mountain. You know what? I, he, he teaches me how to climb out of, uh, out of trouble. His train, he trains my hands for battle and my arms to bend the bow of bronze. In other words, he's saying that he's spending so much time with God personally that he transcended the natural things. Remember when Saul tried to give him the physical armor? 
He said, no, 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 no. He's coming to me with a sword and a spear. I'm just coming in the name of the Lord with my little stuff. He already taught me that this, the, 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 the way I win battles with a lion is by the spirit. The way I win with a bear is by the spirit. The way I win with a giant is by the spirit. He's already taught me how to really do war with my hands. This is why he's in a place of praise. He said, I pursued my enemies. No, hold on. You make, you make your, verse 36, you make your saving help my shield and, and you help make me great. You provide me with a broad path for my feet and my, and my ankles do not give way. I pursue my enemies and I crush them. They do not turn back. He basically starts saying, everything I need to do to win, you taught me. So when you are a praiser, you keep his way. He keeps you and he teaches you how to win. See, all this stuff out of praise. Stand to your feet as we conclude. Verse 47, I wish we could read this together because it's really powerful. David began with praise and now he's going to end with some more praise. I don't know if you've been motivated to praise, but you're going to end with praise. We began with great praise, but I'm going to show you Listen to his summary declaration, this doxology. Verse 47. Ready? Read. Even at home, verse David is not leaning on his own strength, his own kingship. He's not even leaning on God's past victories. He is presently praising God. He is actively calling on God. He is actively keeping his word. And the question is, what will you do when the waves of life keep crashing in on you? Will you praise? Will you call? Will you cry out? Will you keep his word? Will you keep on praising? Will you keep on magnifying? I'm telling you that this is a gift given to you to combat the waves of life, to combat COVID, anxiety, fear, to, uh, 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 to combat inequities and racism, to combat whatever you feel like you're personally suffering to snuffing your life out or stalking you. Today's word is given for you as a solution. And Jesus Christ is offering you his salvation. He's offering you a breakthrough. And I know that the world has told you that Jesus is absent. He doesn't care. Those that look to him are radiant. Look to Jesus. He's the author. He is the finisher. And he is worthy of all praise and all glory and all honor. He is worthy. I thought we would end the service in a very unique way. It's a two-and-a-half-minute song that this worship team uh, made that is just the 51 verses we just read. 
And what you should be doing as your altar moment at home or here is you should be proclaiming that in the same way he was David's rock, he's my rock. In the same way he was David's salvation, is my salvation. In the same way when waves and snares came upon David or enemies came upon David, he cried out to the Lord. You need to see yourself different. And as the words are sung, as you lock in with Jesus, I pray that you'll end in a praise. And praise is not about as loud as you can say. Praise is when you turn to God and say, you know you're greater than me. You know you're bigger than me. You know you're more than able. Lord, I pray right now for those watching online or those here, as we sing this song, God, we will sense something fresh about you and we will be made radiant. Close your eyes. Lord, you are my rock, my fortress, in whom I find my refuge. For you are worthy of praise, you save me from my enemies. Though the waves of death overwhelm me, my cry came to your ears, and I say my your ways are perfect, perfect, I trust you. The earth it trembled and quaked, in your anger the heavens shook. Consuming fire from your mouth, burning coals of lead. You're perfect. You're perfect. 
Your ways are perfect. God, your ways are higher. Lord, this morning we give you honor, we give you praise, we give you thanks. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. If God did anything in your life today, can we give God praise? Because he's moving mountains. He's changing hearts. Or if you're joining us online or on Fox 17, we just want to say thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in, prioritizing church, prioritizing Jesus this morning. It's a big deal. And if you're in the sanctuary here, if it's your first time, we'd love to meet you over here at Guest Central. Pastor James and myself are going to be uh, over there. We just want to thank you for coming.